we're going to start a new series tonight. And God's been really, I've been kind of chomping at the bit because he's been talking to me a lot about teaching about the glory of God. And, and you know, I've just, I've just been really kind of saturated in this and was fully expecting to start this series tonight there. And then just during our vacation, the Lord just kept, it just, the way it works with me, it's just a statement starts coming out of my spirit that it's time for manifestation. It's time for manifestation. And all these scriptures have just been coming up. It's time for people to start laying hold of what Jesus has provided. It is our inheritance. You have been given an inheritance. Do you know all of that? All of your inheritance, everything that God did for you in Christ is in you. But it's time not only to own it, you have to literally, through faith, lay hold of it so that it could manifest in this realm. Yes, so that you can walk free from sickness and disease, walk free from poverty and lack, walk free from fear and depression and anxiety. You know, where we're at in the church age, expect massive things to happen in the church. You know, darkness is getting darker, and to that, we say whatever, because look out at how bright things are going to get in the church. God wants to manifest his glory through your life. So we're going to talk about, we're going to start a new series, and we're going to really get into it about how to lay hold of your inheritance. And don't worry, we're going to get to the glory of God. Where we're going uh, on Sundays, man, I, I, I wanna, we're going to start to talk a lot about the love of God. We're going to start to talk a lot about righteousness. And then we're going to really talk a lot about the grace of God. Because it's, it's, it's a time when you need to know who you are. And all of it will be under the context of how to walk by faith, right? We have to walk by faith. It's the only way that we can lay hold of the plan of God for our life. Amen? So I hope you're excited. I know I am. So if, if you don't enjoy this, well, just know that I am. Man, Jeanette and I have been enjoying it. We've had a great time on vacation, but we're ready to be back, you know, we landed in Omaha at 5 o'clock tonight, and, and man, it was just, it's good to be home. It's good to be home. It's a little cooler here than it is in California, but that's all right. That's all right. So our inheritance, I want to start out, you have to get a revelation that you've been given an inheritance. You've already been given it. Somebody died, right? Jesus so your inheritance was purchased. It comes to us because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And now he ever lives to be the executor of the will. And here is, here is the will. Tells you everything you've been given. Not going to be given. You've already been given it. So it's time that the body of Christ lay hold of it. The world needs to see Christians lay hold. Yes. Right? Yes. 
because we're supernatural. It's a supernatural church. Hallelujah. You know, think about this. If you had a relative, all of a sudden an attorney contacted you, right? And told you that, hey, you had a relative who died and they left you $5 million and you have to come, you have to come and sign for it so that those funds could be released to you. And let's say you were in financial trouble. Would you, would you go home that night, maybe call your friends and go, man, you know, I'm just, I'm so under the gun financially. Can you pray with me? Right? Would you do that? Would you, would you be laying at home at, awake? You can't sleep. How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to pay that bill? How am I going to, right? Doesn't that sound silly? And this is a natural thing that we're talking about. But our inheritance is, is way beyond natural. It's actually more real. It's more real than if you got a, a contacted by an attorney. You and I were contacted by God. And he said, listen, I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Listen, I've given you a spirit that fear has no part of. Your spirit is full of power, love, and soundness of mind. Right? I mean, think about that. I'm telling you, as we go through scriptures tonight and we talk about our inheritance, this is not my opinion. This is the opinion of God who spoke it. This is not subject to change. We're not going to quote Tony Finley. Who cares about that? We're going to see what the word says. And, and if you'll keep peering into what the word says, all of a sudden, light will go off and you'll awaken and you'll realize, wait a minute, this is mine. And you'll realize that everything Satan's been doing in your life He's been doing illegally. That he has no right. He has no legal right, but he doesn't care. And what he keeps wanting to do is yell and scream with the circumstances of your life or the symptoms in your body. Or just scream real loud so that you're always looking at that. Always looking at how you feel instead of looking at what his word says. Because man, when you peer into the word... Guess what? Faith comes. And you become fully persuaded that what he promised, he is able also to perform it. Right? So just think about that tonight. It is important that every area of your life, every area of your life, that does not look like what the word says, needs to come in line with what the word says. So we're going we're gonna to get way beyond mental ascent here, right? So let's talk about it. Our inheritance in Christ. So includes salvation, wholeness, peace. It includes prosperity. It includes healing and divine health. 
It includes all of these things. So I'm going to give you, I did this deal where I looked at the Old Testament word for salvation, Yeshua, the New Testament word, soterior, and then we, we looked it up, we defined it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that definition, but I want you to just, don't try to take notes on it. Have no fear. Ryan's going to put it up on the screen. So when, as we keep going, you could just write that down. But see, all of these things in your inheritance, you must lay hold of and take possession of through faith. It's the only way. In the same way, I mean, listen, an attorney calls you up tomorrow and says, listen, there is $5 million that, you, that, is, that has been yours. It, the will, the person died, they willed it to you, it's yours. You have to come down here and sign for it. What if you got off the phone with them and said, you know what, I've been, I've been broke my whole life. I don't know of any rich relative, so I just don't believe it. You could suffer financial loss and suffer lack the rest of your life if you don't believe it and then act on it, call and go, right? It's the same way with the things of God. So many Christians, and see, this is why all these doctrines, doctrines of demons, doctrines of darkness, well, you know, you just never know what God's going to do. Sometimes he'll heal, but sometimes he doesn't because, you know, well, his ways are not our ways. And, and sometimes you just got a different plan. And oh, that child that died, well, you know, you know, God's way, I mean, he just has a higher plan for that child. No, no, Satan stole that child. Right? So, so you, gotta, you gotta get this right. Every false doctrine will always put you in a passive position with the enemy. Always. What do I mean by that? If you think that God has provided healing for everyone in this room but one of us, nobody could have faith for healing because how do you know you're not the one? Right? It, so it would, it would put all of us in a passive position. People are allowing their feelings to tell them what the truth is. Instead of letting the word of God tells them, tell them what the, what the truth is. Right? So let's look at this. You must lay hold and take possession of what God has already given you by his grace. When did he give it to you? Almost 2,000 years ago through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was all given to you right then. Everything you will ever need, everything, everything is already on the inside of you right now. It's already there. That's amazing. But you got to believe it, right? The only way to obtain your inheritance is through faith. That's why we talk a lot about faith. So let me, let me go through the definition real quick. And I just want you to hear this because you have to hear 
literally what the Bible says God has given you. Just in the definition of salvation. The Old Testament word for salvation is Yeshua. Okay? It means deliverance. Do you ever need deliverance? Have you ever got yourself in a real pickle, a real mess, and you, you, know, you need to be delivered? Or just because you're in life, and, and all of a sudden circumstances happen, and you're in a situation that looks like there's no hope, you need to be delivered. This also means victory. The very word means victory. The very word means prosperity. The very word means help. What happens when a person starts looking too much at their circumstances and stops peering into this is they will start, the enemy will start trying to get them away from anything that could help them. They'll start, they'll start moving away from church. They'll start moving away from their Christian friends. All this stuff he wants to get them alienated. You need to realize that salvation, God wants to help you. That's why he put the big, he put the helper on the inside of you. That's gigantic H. Holy Spirit, the helper, right? It also means health. The very word means health. Not spiritual health, no, 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 physical health, right? Physical health. This is the Old Testament word. There was no way an Old Testament believer could be spiritually healthy. They were spiritually dead, right? And it also means welfare. Have you ever needed welfare, right? You have some kind of lack and you need something to back you, to help you out. The very word salvation means welfare. God wants to take care of you. And it also means wholeness. So that's great, Pastor, but we're not living in the Old Testament. Let's look at the New Testament. I'm so glad you asked. That's awesome. So New Testament, so terrier. Let's look at this one. It literally means, the word literally means final and complete deliverance from all of the curse of the law, including death. Final and complete deliverance. People are running around for deliverance ministry. There it is. He is the deliverer. And Satan, this person that's born again, that's bound in their mind with all this stuff, they feel like, man, I just, I'm being so oppressed. Are they? Yes. Why? Because they don't know who they are. They don't know what they've been given. But if the light of the word ever goes on and they wake up and realize, whoa, all this stuff messing with me is way under my feet. No authority. Been stripped, been defeated. I've been given an inheritance. They could walk in freedom. 
It also means, well, let's, let's look at this final and complete deliverance from all the curse of the law. The curse of the law includes all sickness, all physical sickness and disease. It includes all physical weakness, poverty. It includes bondage, addiction, physical death. It even includes spiritual death. We have been completely delivered. Not going to be, not something we grow into it. If you inherited $5 million from your relative, would that have anything to do with you? No, it had everything to do with him or her, right? This has everything to do with Jesus. You can't earn an inheritance. You either are given it or you don't have it. So you've been given final and and complete deliverance from all the curse of the law All sickness, all disease, all weakness, all poverty, all bondage. Now, we're going to give tons of scriptures on all these things. All addiction. What? You mean to tell me the Christian who's bound by drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever, gluttony, overeating, everything, any addiction, smoking, cigarettes, smoking, whatever, anything that controls you, you have already been given final and complete deliverance over it. What I'm here to tell you guys is there are things that are messing with people that have no true power. No power. And that person who's addicted, who feels like there's no way out, I'm here to tell you the word is very clear. There is a way out. But you got to see it. You can't move in a direction you don't see. So, the overall, the Tony Finley definition of salvation, which I got from this Hebrew word and this Greek word, would be this. A state of wholeness. To be whole, spirit, soul, and body. To be whole in every area of your life. Doesn't that thrill you? The more areas you don't, that don't look like that, the more thrilled you should be. Because it's right there. God has given it to you already. It means deliverance and preservation. God not only will deliver you, but he will preserve you. Isn't that good to know? This world's getting a little bit unsafe. Isn't it good to know that you have the angel of the Lord that encamps round about you to deliver you, right? This word also means material and temporal deliverance from all danger and apprehension. That's the word salvation. I grew up in a denomination where I thought salvation meant when I die, I go to heaven. Now, it does mean that, but it means so much more, right? Here's a good one. Salvation. The overall definition. Now, I'm getting this from from the actual do word study. Don't, Don't sit here and go, well, pastor said it, it must be true. No, go in there and study those words. It means pardon to be pardoned. 
Have you ever been guilty? Isn't it good to be pardoned? That's so far. See, when you're pardoned, it's as if it never happened. Right? It also means restoration and healing. Have you ever needed to be restored? Wow. It even says that the Lord's my shepherd. It says he restores my soul. It's the time right now to see manifestation of these things in the lives of believers. So that's the definition. So Ryan, you could just keep it up just while we're preaching. But I want you to turn to Romans chapter 4. Let's start to look at this. Let's start to see what you have been given, what you already have have right now as you're sitting here. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed. Now what I want you to see here it doesn't say, and to his seeds. It says to his seed. You are going to see from other scripture that the seed of Abraham is Jesus Christ. Right? And you're also going to see that because Jesus is, is, is part of this, we get everything Jesus gets. The word is very clear. So it includes Jesus being heir of the world includes Abraham, Jesus, and all of those of us who are in Christ. For the promise that he, talking about Jesus, or I'm sorry, Abraham, that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed. How? It wasn't, it wasn't given through the law. But notice, being heir of the world was not through the law. It didn't come by keeping the law. Abraham could never have been given and become an heir of the world through the law. But how did it come? I mean, think about, so think about what we're saying here. The word of God is saying that Abraham, God made Abraham the heir of what? The world. That, that's, that's everything. Right? Heir of the world. But it came through the righteousness of faith. That's why you are saved by grace through faith. You receive everything in your inheritance through faith, through the righteousness of faith. Okay? Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into the Amplified. So go ahead and put up the Amplified classic version, if you have it, of Romans 4.13. If you didn't quite get the definition, Ryan could put it up at the end of the service. If we ever end. There's so much in me. The Amplified Classic Version of this verse says this, For the promise to Abraham or his posterity that he should inherit the world did not come through observing the commands of the law, 
but through the righteousness of faith. The Living Bible, trans, uh, it's a paraphrase, it's not a translation, but the Living Bible, it says it real simply. It says, it is clear then that God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was not because Abraham obeyed God's law, but because he trusted God to keep his promise. God, in other words, promised Abraham that he would be heir of the world. God promised him that. The promise was not only to Abraham, though, but to his seed, Jesus Christ, which includes us because we are in Christ. And the word will very clearly include us. The promise comes to us through the righteousness which is of faith. Okay? So now, let's look at Romans chapter 4. Now let's go down to verse 14. Next verse. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Do you get that? If, if people, by keeping the commands of the law, could become heir of the world, the Bible says the faith would be made void and the promise would be of none effect. It would not, it would not be effective. Why? Because the law works wrath. This is why... Guys, people are freaking out because the rapture didn't happen a few days ago. Instead of going, wow. I mean, to be honest with you, I was a little surprised. But I'm, I'm real excited about this next, next year. Because we might see the most glorious revival we've ever seen before we're out of here. Because, guys, we're getting close. But this is another, see, see, the law, look at what it says here. The law works wrath. We're not appointed to wrath. The tribulation period is called Jacob's wrath. The law works wrath. And then it tells us, it gives us some clarity. For where no law is, there's no transgression. The law wasn't given so that they could keep it. The law was given to show them that they needed a savior, that they were lost because now when the law comes, now comes a revelation that wow, I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I can't, I can't keep this thing. I need somebody to help me. Right? Verse 16, therefore it is of faith. Abraham being made heir of the world is of faith. Why? That it might be by grace. God gives everything by his grace but we must obtain it, take possession of it, and, and bring substance to it into this realm through faith. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. 
not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. See, God is saying it has to be by faith because it's for everybody. It's for everybody who is trying to keep the law. It's for everybody who doesn't even know what the law is. If they will simply believe what God has done and receive it through faith, they could all be partakers of it. It's for everybody. Verse 16, I'll I'll read the first part of this now. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. So let me read this, verse 16, in the Amplified Classic. Just let this sink in. Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith. Do you know there are people in the body of Christ, whole churches that laugh at faith? Oh, you're one of those faith people. Yeah, if you're not, let me, listen, let me tell you about Jesus because you need to get saved, right? You're one of those name it, claim it, blab it, grab it people, right? Confess it and possess it. Yes. What, you're not? Right? Now, there's some crazy ones out there in that, you know, Haganite, Copelandite thing that think they can just decide because they're so self-centered, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to believe God to move that star over a little bit, right? No, no, it doesn't work by that. Faith only comes by hearing the word of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. We're not talking about those people. You're always going to have Star Trek Christians, right? Boldly going where nobody has gone before, including the Lord and, and the Holy Spirit, right? Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith depends entirely on faith in order that it might be given as an act of grace, unmerited favor, to make it stable and valid and guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the devotees and inherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, who is thus the father of us all. The Living Bible paraphrase says it this way, So God's blessings are given to us by faith as a free gift. We are certain to get them whether or not we follow Jewish customs. If we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of us all when it comes to these matters of faith. Very simply. Now jump over to Galatians chapter 3. Tonight, I really want to just drive home this inheritance thing. Next Wednesday, we're going to start looking at Bible stories that will show you exactly what I'm talking about. It'll th- this can change your whole life if you'll grab hold of it. It's so funny I say that about everything I teach, but it, it's true because the Word of God can change your whole life. I should start, this is the most important, this is the most important sermon I have preached. 
tonight. <laughs> right? Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And then it says this. He, now I'm going to explain to you why it's Jesus. He saith not, as, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. That's how we know this promise to be heir of the world was to Abraham and to Jesus. And we're going to keep going, and we're going to find out we're included with this. Okay? So now you're in Galatians 3. Jump all the way back to verse 7 now. Look at this. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Wow. Who are the true children of Abraham? It's not the Orthodox Jew who's in the lineage of Abraham. Right? It, it says it right here. They which are of faith. If you're born again, you are of faith. Amen. You have received Christ. You've been made righteous. Amen. You've been given the measure of the faith of God. Amen. You've been made brand new. Not, not by your goodness, but by what he did. Oh, church, we got to get this because so many Christians, see, in the 70s, we had some move of God. In the 80s, we had some move of God. In the 90s, we had some moves of God. Then it started slowing down because a lot of these people that found out about the word of faith, they started thinking, well, you know, I could quote all the scriptures so I know it. And then they started also thinking, but you know, this has never worked out for me. That pastor gets up there and says that stuff, but man, I haven't laid hold of my healing. I haven't, my finances are a mess. This is wrong, that's wrong. And so now what we have now is we have a group of believers, massive, who have given up. They're just going, now they'll, they'll, they'll come to church. Now many don't. But the ones that do, they know enough how to smile, play church, right? Do you know church isn't play? This is, this is life and death. Do you know Satan wants to kill you? And he has no authority to do it, but if, if boy, I'm telling you, if he could separate you from faith, right. man, right? But when you realize, like when you start to realize, wait a minute, part of my inheritance is that me and my family will be saved? When you get a revelation of that, you'll stop looking at really where they are, where, what it looks like where they are, and you'll start declaring in the name of Jesus, my son, my daughter will be saved. Right? You won't allow that stuff. And if you'll never let go of it, it'll happen. But the days of putting the word of God second place is over because it doesn't work. Now, second place, God might be able to get a little bit over to you. Because you might accidentally get in faith and stay in faith long enough. But most likely, no. Because the Bible says you got to seek first the kingdom. And you might be sitting here or might be watching online going, Pastor, listen, I've been in this deal a long time. I've heard this stuff. I have, if, I, if I were to be honest with you, I have absolutely no desire for God. If you were sitting across the table for me, I would say, of course you don't. Because you're not feeding. You want to see hunger? 
just get around somebody who's feeding. Right? I mean, we got a lot of people here who feed. Right? Because once you, the more you feed, the hungrier you get. Why? Because the more you feed, the more you see, the more you know. The, the, you just start to know that God is so good. All of a sudden, the glories of who he is outshine the little piddly desires of your flesh and you start realizing the only thing that satisfies is him. Changes everything. If you're ministering to somebody, listen, invite them to church. As the Lord leads, don't beat them up. But while you're inviting them to church, because sometimes it might take them two, three years to get to church, just build a relationship and have your sole focus on, I just got to get them reading the Bible. Because the word is full of life. And the word will capture you. Look at this. Verse 7, Galatians 3, 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying... In thee shall all nations be blessed. See, Abraham's descendant, have you ever thought of that? God said, listen, your descendants, if you could number the sand, you'll be able to number your descendants. If you could number the stars, you'll be able to number. Well, listen, I mean, how can one guy have so many children? It's because they're not all just physical, they're all spiritual. Right? I have no biological connection to Abraham, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a child of Abraham's because I was born again by faith. And God wanted to justify the heathen. That's how come he preached the gospel to Abraham. Right? Saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith, look at this, are blessed with Faithful Abraham. What? I mean, are you in a position where something happens in your life and the CEO of a company comes to you and just goes, hey, listen, you know, he goes, uh, listen, I really appreciate what you did for me. I, I mean, you're out minding your own business, right? All of a sudden, the Lord tells you to lay hands on the sick. God does something, and that person's completely set free, and they're like, man, listen, listen, I just, what do you need? I, I just, can, can I give you a million dollars? Are you blessed enough to where you look at them and go, yeah, no, nope, I don't want anybody to say God, or that, that man made me rich. God made me rich. That's the blessing of Abraham. And the Bible says you are blessed because you are of faith. Why? See, in the church right now, this is what people are doing. You want to know if you're blessed, what do they do? They look at their bank account. They, they look at what they're driving compared to what other people are driving, right? I mean, where we were in California, there was a house, $69 million house. Rolls Royces everywhere, Lamborghinis. I mean, just crazy stuff. 
four, five, six hundred thousand dollar vehicles. It's just, it's just different. And here we are, the blessing of Abraham. We're blessed with him. See, what happens is you may look at what you have to see if you're blessed. And that's not how you're going to see if you're blessed. You're only going to see if you're blessed if you know you're a faith. That's how you know you're blessed. Now that will tilt you. Because Satan works overtime that everything is based on what you see. And I'm here to tell you, no, it's not. It's based on what you believe. You won't see anything unless you believe it. But you have been blessed, it says it right here, with faithful Abraham. So therefore, you know if you're blessed with Abraham, you know that you're blessed. Why? Because you're a faith. Are you a Christian tonight? Have you accepted Christ and bowed to his lordship? Then you are blessed. Not going to be. You are right now. So now let's keep going. I want you to go all the way to Galatians chapter 3. Now we're going to read some other scriptures here. Verse 27 through verse 29. It says here in verse 27, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Okay? There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Wow. Right? That's why Romans 10, 12. Well, Tony, what do you think about race? Here's exactly what I think what God thinks. Just read Romans 10, 12. For there is no difference. For God is rich, right? Rich to all who call upon him. Now, this blessing, look at this. There's neither Greek nor Jew. What is Greek? That's everybody who's not a Jew. There's neither bond nor free. You're either a slave or you're free. Doesn't matter. Male nor female. That's got a little muddied lately, but the reality of it is they're still just male and female, okay? For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if, look at this, we know this verse, and if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and your heir to, according to the promise. You have been given this. You're an heir of all the blessing of Abraham. The promises are to Abraham and his seed Christ and us because we are in Christ. In other words, whatever Jesus gets you get. Whew. Wow. 
That'll solve every problem in the world, but that will just, that will just bring up religious cobwebs, man. It'll just, it'll, 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 it'll blow them out. Just meditating on that. What did he say? So our part to partake of this is simply to believe this in our heart and then act on it by speaking it out of our mouth. That's how you partake of it, with your mouth. But you got to believe it. So herein is the problem. What is the big problem in the body of Christ? People don't believe the Bible. Why, why, are, why, why are Christians, thousands and thousands of them, they don't come to church? They don't, perceive, they don't perceive God as their answer. So that's why we preach the word of God, to help people. Because I got to tell you, I'm not right in the middle of this because of me. I'm right in the middle of this because of Jesus. I don't try to keep myself. He keeps me. When I mess up, I run to him. I never run away from him. Because I know, I peer into his word. I live in his word. I know he's my answer. Colossians, I just want to keep going deeper with this now. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, says it this way. It says, for you are dead. Now, this statement is in the Greek aorist tense. So it would, it would literally read, for you died. And your life is hid with Christ in God. For you died and your life is hid. Now, in the Greek language, this is called, would be called, is hid, is in like the perfect middle tense. You could read it like this, for you died and your life has been hid. Man, I'm telling you, I died in the summer of 1966. And my life has been hid with Christ. Actually, in the Greek, it would, it would read together with Christ in God. Are you born again today? Your life is literally hid with Christ in God. You are in him. You are an heir. Everything Jesus got, you got. Wow. The literal... The literal meaning of this verse, for you died and your Zoe life has been hid together with Christ in God. So Galatians chapter 3 was so good, now we're ready to read the verse that we read so often. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Now you're going to gain greater light on, this, on these verses. Christ hath past tense, redeemed us. This means he paid a ransom to take us out of one place, the delegated influence of darkness, and put us into another place in the kingdom of God. Christ hath redeemed us from what? 
the curse of the law. And we talked about that. How did he do that? Being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Now he's quoting Deuteronomy 21, 23. That's where it says, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So now you know when Jesus was made the curse for you on the cross. And he redeemed you from the curse of the law, spiritual death, sickness and disease, poverty and lack. Do you realize this letter, Galatians, was written to Gentiles? Gentile Christians. I love that. We're redeemed from the entire curse of the law, spirit, soul, and body through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Wow. This covenant does not belong to the Jews. It belongs to the church. Verse 14. He did all that, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You receive everything through faith. We receive all the promises of God through faith. Without faith, we cannot possess what Christ has already given us. See, here's the thing about walking by faith. Walking by faith demands maturity spiritually. You will have to grow spiritually. But to do that, you're going to have to, you're going to have to keep your flesh under, right? You're going to have to grow. This is why many don't, they don't want to walk by faith. That's where this whole sovereignty gospel comes from. It's called a no-fault gospel. Well, you know, if God wanted me to be healed, I'd just be healed. If God wanted me to be saved, I'd just be saved. Right? No, that's not how it works. We have been separated from the curse and separated unto the blessing. Being redeemed from spiritual death, it enables us to have the very life of God on the inside of us. Isn't that amazing? God did something in you and I so that he can put something on us. The gospel message is very simple. Jesus has ransomed us from the curse so that God's blessing could come upon man. That's the gospel message. And the world needs it. The world needs it. So the verse 14 again, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. See, the blessing of Abraham was a material blessing. But the spiritual root of that material blessing came through Christ. It says in Hebrews 1.1, Hebrews 1.1, God who at sundry times, that means at various times and in diverse manners, in many ways, spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Check this out. Hath, this is verse 2. 
half in these last days. Let's put that up there. Spoken unto us by his son. Look at this. Whom he, talking about God, hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds. In other words, Jesus Christ has been appointed by the God of the universe, his father, to be heir of what? All things. In other words, Jesus is the lawful owner of everything. And everything that Jesus is lawful owner of, you're lawful owner of. That's not opinion, that's Bible. Spending our whole lives believing God for enough money to pay off a house when we own the planet. Do you see how we need to grow? But I'm here to tell you, man, the glory of God, which is literally the presence, can hardly talk about it. It's going to cover this earth as the waters cover the seas. What does that look like? God puts grace in you to get glory out of you. When you get healed, it's glory. When you're, pro- when you're provided for, when miracles happen, it's glory, glory. It spills all over the place. It's time for manifestation. Colossians 2, now look at this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. We're actually going to read 15 as well. Hang with me. I just got to keep going a little bit longer. It says in Colossians 2.13, and you, now this word you in the English language is singular, but in reality, it's a plural word. It would literally mean you all, you believers. And you being dead in your sins, it's talking about spiritual death. And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened. Those of us, all of us, who were dead, spiritually, he made us alive. How did he do it? He made us alive together with him. When Jesus came out of the grave, when the kratos power of the Holy Spirit brought Jesus out of the grave, it raised every one of us. Romans says, it tells us, we've been raised to newness of life. You were identified in his crucifixion. You were identified in his resurrection. He raised us up together with him. Wow. Having forgiven all your trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Which were contrary to us. And took it out of the way nailing it to the cross. Now this this whole thing, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, when a business in that culture became debt-free, they would literally put the the title showing that they were debt-free, they would literally nail it to their business, showing that I'm completely free. Jesus was the promissory note that was nailed to the cross showing that you and I are free. You're not free because of who you are. You're free because of what he's done. And you you have been given an inheritance not because of what you've done, but because of who he is. 
Wow. Now my debt is paid. Jesus blotted it out. He blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. When you stand before the righteous God of the universe who is your father, he will not talk to you about anything, any sin you've ever created, done, because all of your sin has been once and for all condemned in the body of Jesus 2,000 years ago. How is that possible that me who was born in 1962 could have all of my sin blotted out in A.D. 30? Because there's a spiritual root. He took care of spiritual death. When I showed up on the scene, salvation was there for me. And God started working. But I had to choose it. Right? Now look at this. Now what, what else is part of this? Now he's, he's talking. you got to understand, this is yours because of what he did. Yours now. Look at verse 15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, that means he literally disarmed them and destroyed and threw away the weapons. They can never be built again. No weapon now formed against you will prosper. Why? Because he did it. He spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. What, is, what do you mean? So Jesus, he dies on a cross and he says, it is finished. And then he goes down into the earth to the place called paradise. Hell had two compartments. And there was a great gulf. The righteous dead were in this compartment. They weren't born again yet. The unrighteous dead were over here. They couldn't pass. They were in torments and flames. Jesus, on the way down, what did he see when he shut his eyes? When his spirit left his body, what did he see? He saw the angel of death who would take him to the angel of hell. You're thinking, what? What were you talking about? Do you know in the book of Revelations it says death rode a horse and hell followed after him? Talks about death and hell like they're for, why is that? Because there's an angel of death and an angel of hell. And guess what Jesus did when he was on his way down to paradise? He saw him. He said, it's finished. Give me the keys. Give me the keys to death. Give me the keys to hell. He goes down in paradise. They all get born again. Sometime in that three-day period, we know he went over to the other side, proclaimed the righteous judgments of God to the disembodied spirits of, of Noah's day. One of the popes took that and created purgatory. There's no purgatory. You can't buy somebody out of this, right? But then what happened when Jesus came out of the grave, he came out of the grave with his blood because he had to go into heaven and, and he took all the saints with him and on his way, guess what he did? He did this. He made a show of them openly. That was a Roman military term. When Rome would conquer a, a nation, they would bring their general and all their officers up, and then the whole fallen army would be behind them. And they would bring them, they would make a show of them openly. They would literally, they would start to proclaim things. 
you used to be free, but now you're our slaves. And they would rip, they would literally rip the medals off the general. They'd rip everything down until all of the general and all of his officers were completely stripped naked. And then they would parade them openly. So their whole army saw their leaders stripped and brought to nothing. That's what Jesus did to Satan. Satan has zero authority. He operates illegally through deception and through the power that Christians give him. And his lease is almost up. His earth lease is almost up. His time is almost up. That's why he's yelling and screaming so hard. It's time for the church, instead of us going, oh, right? Running around here. No, no, no. Let's get a word from God. You're going to see this. You got to get a word from God and then act on the word. That's how you possess your inheritance. Hallelujah. Jesus stripped Satan of all the authority that Satan had received from Adam. I am in Christ, therefore I get everything that Jesus got. Wow. I'm not going to be able to get quite as far as I want to, but I think this is good. Child of God, you've got to know the battle, it's already been won. So you have to take the name of Jesus and enforce it. Right? You get a word from God. I mean, what does Hebrews 11.1 in the Amplified, it even says, faith is your title deed. Could you imagine if you were sitting here with the title deed to your car and you walked outside and there was a guy, a tow truck company, had your car up on on, on the tow truck, taking it. And you had the title deed. You'd be running out there going, what are you doing? You're not taking my car. Right? No, no. And the guy's like, no, no, no. I'm taking your car because, you know, because of this or that. Oh, no, 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 no. Here's the title. I own this car. You better get this thing very gently off your tow truck. Right? Or else you're going to see, you're going to see some people in officers' uniforms and they're not going to be real happy with you. Right? That's the same way you have the title deed to your healing right now. You have the title deed to peace, to prosperity. You have it right now. But see, when you believe it, you will get aggressive. When you own something, you act differently than when you're renting it. When you own something, you'll take care of it. Most believers, they don't realize they own it. You are the one with the authority in Christ. You get a word from God and you speak that out of your mouth and you meditate in it. That's, what, that's how it works. You keep saying it over and over and over and all of a sudden it'll go from your head to your heart. It'll open up and all of a sudden you'll see it and you'll go, wow. And you'll become, you're not, you're not the person trying to be successful you'll realize that Christ already made you successful. So now all this other junk's got to bow to who you are in Christ. And the Holy Spirit will take you through the process. I hope this has helped you a little bit. We'll get more into it 
it gets thrilling because this is all over the book. And it's time. It's time. This year, next year, it is time for you these areas of your life that have not been in line with the word of God, it's time for them to come in line. They got to bow to who you are in Christ. They've got to bow to the name of Jesus. Amen.